Yeah, I've been Parsons and Persons, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know where you guys are getting these R's, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, people know your name now, my man. They know your name right. now. So we are recording, by the way, but right now I just started. But um, so Chad Penson, U.S. Kern champion. And, um, you know, we were just saying, like, leading into this, you've been powerlifting for a long time. You're, you're a yeah. 10-year veteran. Yeah. But all, if, if you look at your numbers, the jump you made and the improvement you'd made, like the last time we had seen you, which was, uh, I mean, it was just a couple months earlier, you had totaled 920. And um, that, that was out of wraps though. I mean, you did a 905. Like if you, if you think about your previous highest, you you're two and a half kilo off of a thousand kilo total right now. Like you literally said, how you like me now at the current U S open. Some people close to you might've known you were capable, but we hadn't seen it yet on the platform. What happened? How did this happen? How did you all of a sudden, like, did you always have it in you? You just didn't had to, had the, you know, opportunity to put it together on a platform or what's the story? Here? Uh, well, a lot of it was just kind of good timing. Um, I've had the unfortunate experience of being injured a lot in the last like three, four years. So I've, I've always kept making my improvements, but I could never really uh, put it together the way I wanted on a consistent basis due to usually being injured for like, a cumulative like six months is what the typical downtime was for at least squats, but there was always at least one lift that I had to kind of pull back from for three to four months collectively out of the year. Sometimes it would be strung together. Sometimes it'd be like a month off here, a month off there. And as you know, anybody knows that that can really, you take four weeks off a couple of times a year for one lift, that's going to really yeah. throw, throw off the training. So, um, and with the most recent uh, performances, like take 2019, I think Boston Boston is, is the 905. Um, that was my best my best meet I put together, but I had some issues with the squats with the uh, reverse mono. If anybody saw the live stream, I actually dropped, completely dropped the second lift and lost my balance in my opener. So I had to, I took, I went up as most people would, and they've been doing this for a while. They just kind of get antsy and say, screw it. Most people would stay with the same weight, but I went up a little bit, got a 750, but I had to change how I squat entirely to get out of that, that damn mono because I was not good with the reverse mono. Well, explain and, the reverse mono yeah. for people who, who might not be familiar. Well, what was the difference there? What were you dealing with? Okay, so um, so as most people probably saw with the, the US Open, we had our, that was a standard mono. The uh, pretty much the balancing front portion of it is in front of everybody. So, you know, the crowd can't see uh, the rear view, basically. Yeah. So, with the reverse mono, the, everybody can see the lifter, the spotters, everything, and there's nothing impeding their vision. So, the arms swing out the opposite direction. And it's a little it's a little different. The arms that we used in Dan's gym, the arms on that model were, they kind of moved a little independently of each other. So it was hard for me to really set up and find the perfect center. So when I would hit my, when I would pick the weight out, I would be way off balance and not really realize it until where the arms are gone and it's too late. Yeah, yeah it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that caused some issues. Um, but yeah, so leading into that, that was a 905, had a pretty good meet there. Then COVID hit. So I didn't really get a chance. I didn't compete at all in 2020 because I'm in the I'm in the Air Force. Um, so I was locked down, confined to California the pretty much the entire year. Uh, so also was injured a few months out of that. So I didn't really get to, to train the way I wanted to for the first three months at all due to lockdown and injuries. And then after lockdown, there's another couple months I didn't train. So I didn't start training for the hybrid showdown until November, where I could actually train all three lifts. So 
Um, I think I put together a pretty good total there, but then I injured my elbow about two weeks out. <laughs> Damn. So that's why the bench went up a good little bit from hybrid showdown to the current U.S. Open and uh, squats. Well, you couldn't really tell the difference, but squats had wraps, obviously, but I didn't have any shoulder pain or elbow pain squatting in the wraps because I took a little time off from there, too. So I was pretty much injury-free leading into that one. Did you, leading into the current, what was your expectations? Were you telling yourself, because it people knew you were good, but we hadn't seen, like, it was a huge jump on your total. Um, obviously had a phenomenal lifting day. You missed a couple lifts though. So it wasn't like you knew what you had in the tank. And obviously with your, with your temp selection, you're going big. So did you, did you tell yourself like, I can win this thing. I could bring this home and this is going to be my coming out party if I do this right. Uh, so the temp selection was actually kind of like a two week process. I had been planning out what I could do, uh, potentially for thirds, um, on squats and bench. Uh, I told myself, if I could get 881, if I could hit 400 keys, that'll put me in a really good position uh, going into bench. And I wouldn't need to do anything too crazy on deadlifts. So um, a couple of guys have kind of put it in my ear that you could probably hit 881, you probably hit 400 keys uh, in, in reps. And I was like, okay, well, let's, let's try some attempts out uh, during the peaking phase and see what, I, what, I, what I'm capable of. And the further we got closer to it, it was more of a reality than a, than a dream. Like at first, I just kind of wanted to say, let's, let's shoot for 867 and chip the world record. And when I actually felt 804 for the first time, I was like, that kind of felt like a joke. <laughs> so then my wheels got turning. So then I actually put together my attempts about a week and a half after I tried um, 843 and 867, which is a little high in training. I lost my balance a little bit. So I, didn't, I never counted it as a PR, but I posted it anyway for transparency. I got lit up on the Instagram. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care though. I don't. I don't usually squat high, so I was like, I'm gonna post it and just eat, eat what, get what I get from it. So who cares? Um, so I, I solidified my attempts. I said I was gonna go 821, 867, and then go for the gusto on the third. I actually ended up dropping my opener at 815, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so that all went according to plan. And I said, if I can get all of this, all my attempts, then it would be very hard for Dan or John to beat me on their best day, but I had to have my best day too. Uh, so that's what I was accounting for for everybody. Everybody had their best day and let's see who comes out on top. I knew it was going to be a dog fight. So leading in the bench, uh, I didn't really account for how bad my shoulders would feel after, you know, squatting almost 900 pounds. Yeah. And I had to make some adjustments there. My plan was to go 45, 518, 529. My gym PR is 535. I figured if, if I had my best day, 529 would be there. But if not, 518 would be okay. 518 is what I originally had as a third before I hit the 535. So ended up only getting 512. My foot slipped on my second attempt. I didn't change into my notorious slips, which gave me a little bit more grip on the carpet. And my foot slipped, and it made it a dog fight for 512. And I just didn't have the energy for 518 after that. Um, and deadlifts, I never actually planned a third attempt. I never had one planned. I said, I'm just going to go for 804 for my second. And that would give me the Wilkes I wanted. And if I needed to do something crazy, because John might have pulled out something crazy because he's John Hack. And yeah. then, um, Dan Bell is, he's Dan Bell. So yeah. if I needed to do something crazy, I was like, I'll, I'll pull a little extra for the third if I need to. But I don't, I didn't want that pressure leading up to deadlifts because I'm, I don't pull well under pressure on deadlifts. <laughs> I don't. So usually really? I don't either scratch or I just don't take a third. Yeah, I why didn't take that? a third in hybrid. Why is that, do you think, in terms of 
Um, so for me, <laughs> it's really annoying. If, uh, if anybody ever seen me in the warm-up room for deadlifts, I warm up with straps. My hands are very fragile. I <laughs> don't know why. I don't pull hook grip. Um, but I don't have any grip issues, but my hands will tear after, you know, holding seven, 800 pounds a couple of times, they start to get really worn down. So I don't like having the pressure of like, okay, you just got to hold on to the bar, even if you get a rip right. and rips happen. I had a small rip from, from the current, but, uh, and that was for my third. I could have probably got a third this time, but we went a little too aggressive. I didn't pick my third attempt. I had Joe Sullivan and, uh, Brianna just say, just say, go for whatever you think is there. And. If we had went 811 instead of 821, I think I could have got that and knocked out a thousand kilos. But I didn't even know what my total was. So I didn't care that much. I just wanted to win. <laughs> Does that help in terms of like when the battle's on? Are you paying attention to where you're at and where your opposition is at? Or are you just like, I know I'm in the hunt, but I don't want to necessarily know how quick it is that he missed. If I miss, where does that put me? Like, or would you like you just rather be on autopilot and just steer me to the wind and let's see what happens? Uh kind of a mix of both. So leading into the meet, I had uh I didn't really have a handler per se. I had I had Andy that was gonna wrap me, of course. And then uh about a, a week out, uh I asked uh and not Andy, I asked Joe Sullivan and Brianna if they'd help me in the in the back too, uh to kind of help me with the attempts if I needed to. So um with the attempt selection that I had planned, I kind of wanted it to be the, in the way that if I do this, I don't need to worry about it. But then I kind of got in my head after bench and freaked out a little bit because that didn't go exactly as planned. Granted, it only knocked off about 12 pounds. So it didn't really make a huge difference. But if, if I had it and they actually hit my third deadlift, I probably could have out Wilkes Deary. This would have been pretty cool. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah probably be pretty um, cool. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but but in the grand scheme of things, it, it really does help if you're in a meet like this and have somebody that can jockey the numbers for you and see where you are and kind of do the Wilkes calculations and, and stuff like that. Because what you want to be doing as an athlete is, is resting and getting your head in the game for the next lift. If you're Because if you're just doing both, it's like you can't really focus on what you need to be doing at the task at hand is lifting the weights, not being a mathematician. <laughs> and 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 never more true words when you say mathematician because you have 60 seconds to get in your attempt selection and um and it's not just a clear-cut case of like if you're near the top and you're like how many kilos do i need to take first to solidify first with my second debt etc because you're using a wilkes calculator as well um it was it on wilkes or it was on was it hang on a second it was on wilkes okay so yeah you have to like do some calculations to figure out what you need that way. Um, and that's like, and you have 60 seconds. Oh, and by the way, you just had like hundreds and hundreds of pounds either in your hands, over your chest or on your back. And you're like, yeah. the adrenaline is spiked through the roof. And you're like, you're trying to compute and you have 60 seconds to do so with a Wilkes calculator. Yeah, it's, it's a lot going on. It's too you much. Know? It's too much. Too much. Whereas while you're warming up, while you're lifting, your handler is already working. They have more than 60 seconds because they're already like, okay, I see what the opposition has. If they hit, this is what we need. If they miss, this is what they need. And they have time to work this out and focus on things. So yeah. especially there's money on the line. Yeah. Now, what, what was the winning check? Uh, the winning check for first place was 25 grand. And uh, weight class check was 1500 if you won your first uh, first in your weight class that's not a bad day's work sir no it's not a bad day's work. <laughs> so when you were doing this though like walking in 
So you weren't overly concerned initially, like uh, it was kind of on the fly that you approached Joe Sullivan and said, do you think you can handle me? Was it literally on the spot the day of? Uh, no. Uh, so we had, uh, we we're all in a, a group chat um, for the showdown meet as well. Like a lot of the athletes are in a group chat for the showdown meet. And we kind of just all kind of talk, talk shit pretty much. <laughs> and it, it's, it's a lot of strong guys in there. And um, me and Joe have kind of side conversations sometimes too. And just kind of uh, chat each other up about stuff. And me and Brianna are good friends too. I've known Brianna since probably a couple months before the 2019 current. So we're all, we're all pretty close uh, friends at this point. And when he said he wasn't coming to the meet, you know, I was like, well, he wasn't com- not coming to the meet. When he said he wasn't competing because he, he hurt his uh, calf, um, I was like, well, are you guys going to still come and watch? You know, it'd be nice to have my friends out there hanging out, probably, you know, just kind of shooting the shit too. And they're like, yeah, we'll come out there. And then Brownie was like, well, we could probably help you in the warm-up area. I was like, you know what? Yeah, you guys, I'll make you guys my handlers. Let's do it like that. They're like, cool. Um, I probably would have had him wrap me too, but Andy had already been wrapping me and I didn't want to have like a big change or anything like that. So, yeah. um I kind of just said screw it, um, but yeah, he was he was super excited about it. And if anybody knows Joe, Joe is uh, he is like uh, the powerlifting. I, I don't even know what word to give him, but he's he's a he's very into powerlifting. Like he, he powerlifting is the greatest thing in life. <laughs> if you need help, Joe Joe will help you. He's very helpful. He's very knowledgeable. Uh, he's probably one of the, the guys I'll go to if I'm if I feel like I'm about to do something stupid. I'll be like, right, Joe, like, you think I should do this? And he'll probably tell me no. That's fucking stupid. <laughs> uh, we actually had a couple of conversations like that. So um, Joe, Joe's a good go-to person uh, for me as far as like pretty much anything. So, in taking this on, I mean, it's it's one thing to to handle somebody at a local meet or a meet that's there's no money involved, but we're talking yeah. 25k. You know, and someone's like, can you handle me? And they know that kind of money's on the line. <laughs> it's a little bit of pressure, man. Like you, you'll say yes, yeah. but you're like, frig, if you, especially if you're in the hunt, which you obviously were, I mean, you won it. So, mm-hmm. but, but you had, you had John Hack, Dan Bell, like you had heavy opposition. So it's a little bit of pressure for Joe. You know, did he talk about, did yeah. you guys have a little discussion? Like, look at no pressure. It's okay. I mean, I know it's a big ask or how, how did that conversation go? Was he a little nervous about it? Taking this on? Uh, not, not really. Uh, so we had actually talked uh, a couple of times too, like about my attempt score. And I was like, this is, uh, he was initially, I think one of the first people, if not the first person to, to tell me, you know, I think you got 800 kilos. I mean, uh, 881 pounds, 400 kilos. And I was like, yeah. you know, it might, it might be there. Let's try uh, a couple of different attempts on the way up on the peak and see if what we got. Um, so once we got all that solidified, I kind of went through my other numbers with them. I was like, hey, this is this is what I'm looking at if I have a good day and I only pulled two deadlifts. And we were we were pretty like, okay, that's that's hard to beat. So once once we kind of sat down and talked about it and we had the attempts lined up, it was like, okay, I think we can do this just fine. Um, because everything everything was reasonable numbers. I didn't have anything listed that was like just outlandish for me. Granted, it, it, need, it needed to hit two world records to to accomplish it <laughs> yeah. and I had never hit any world records it was it was realistic and that's what I like to tell uh, like my clients too when they want to hit certain numbers like you know it's okay to want a number but you need to be realistic can you hit this number in, in a certain time frame and I think I, I hit the nail on the head for myself on those that's why I also didn't pick a third deadlift <laughs> uh, that's because well in essence so first off for anyone listening you were the first 90 kilo uh, man to squat 400 kilo in wraps, um, 881 pounds. 
And then you just came shy two and a half kilo of joining the thousand kilo club. And, um, but you had already solidified the win. So it's kind of, uh, I mean, you didn't need your last deadlift to win it, which is always the best position to put yourself in where you're like the last deadlift can essentially be whatever you needed to, whatever kind of YOLO you throw on the bar yeah. if, if it's already seized. That's the best. Did you know going in for your last deadlift where you were resting at? Uh, so, so I knew it with my openers. I was a point behind Dan and a little bit ahead of John, but I also knew John was, so John, John tricked me. <laughs> He had, I think he had 766 listed as an opener. And they said we were, when they told us we were all tied, I was like, well, shit, bro. Well, I know John wants to probably go for a thousand kilos too, but is he going to jump to 881 from 766? Cause he did, he did that at, at hybrid. I'm like, okay, well maybe he's got a little more in the tank. He's going to go a little heavier on his second and then just go crazy on his third. But he actually bumped up to 815, which it looked, it looked like 766. So I still didn't know. I was like, damn, this motherfucker's going to pull something stupid today. I'm just going to get my ass kicked. <laughs> but um, so I knew I knew I was ahead of uh, John, but behind Dan by one. But I didn't think Dan was going to do a huge pull. Uh, plus, with his, you know, his size and stuff like that, I didn't think he was going to give him a, a, a massive jump on his books versus me taking a, a 40-ish pound jump, 20-kilo jump would give me about so 10, 15 points. So I went up there to 642 with my second pool, which I knew would give, would have to give uh, like a five Wilkes point PR for uh, Dan, who Dan actually cut weight for this meet. So I was kind of nervous now when he told me that. Um, but still, granted his weight, it was like, okay, he still has to pull something something crazy. But if he gets his second deadlift and, and somehow gets his third or bumps up for his third, it's going to be, a, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. But I knew after my second that I probably I was probably in the money because uh, Dan and John both missed. Uh, Dan looked like he could have gotten his his third if he took, retook it. I didn't think John was gonna get his uh, again. It was because it, it was a hell of a fight, and you know how those meets go. And you're you're eight attempts in, and you have to fight for one. Just like my bench press, I was like, I can bump this two and a half kilos, but I'm probably not gonna get it. I'm, yeah. I'm tired now, so. Um, I didn't claim the win at that point. I still had to wait and see. So I literally stood next to the judges table and just waited and watched everybody and kind of just had a little freak out moment when all the <laughs> dust settled. But yeah, yeah man, it, was, it was just a hell of a day watching all the deadlifts. It was heart racing the whole time. It's it, look at, I can imagine going to the horse track and dropping 25 K in a horse and just watching it unfold in front of you. Be like, Holy shit. Like this is it's literally two steps ahead the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Back and forth. Going to, yeah. Exactly. Waiting to happen. Nobody's ever watched a powerlifting competition and dropped 25 K betting on a powerlifting meet. You could feel that you, you yeah. were literally there like, Oh my goodness. Are you thinking about while it's unfolding, are you thinking about the money? Are you thinking about what this does for, like, in terms of a powerlifting career? Because not only the check, but moving forward, being a current U.S. Open champion, I mean, you do coaching. You got, like, how many more clients are going to come to you now? The bigger the resume you have and the more impact yeah. you have, the more podcasts you do, the more reposts you get on, the more pages, everything. If you're if you're making money off of powerlifting, this obviously only helps, right? I mean, people go yeah. towards, like, what's your resume? Things change now. Like, are you contemplating oh, some shit's going to change now? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. It, it was kind of like uh, the coolest thing that happened is I got a swipe up on my Instagram page, man. Ah, <laughs> there it is. Uh, 
But no, when it did happen, which is, I guess, kind of cool, a lot of my friends are like, you going to post stupid shit on your Instagram and put a swipe up link? And I was like, yeah, I might. Don't test me. So uh, everybody be careful swipe up on my links. Uh, but but no, man, um, I, I definitely kind of expected things to get a little crazy on the social media. It, it, it did. It actually got a little crazy than expected. Um, but as far as, like, the coaching goes, I, I'm only one person. And I told you, like I told you the other day, like, you know, I coach Saturday, Sunday. So that's my, that's pretty much my, my limit. So, and I'm already pretty much full for the month. I might expand a little bit next month, but I try not to take off, take on more than I can chew. I didn't want to increase my rates or anything like that either. Cause it's, I mean, it's, it's still powerlifting. Nobody's going to pay, need to be paying three, 400 bucks for coaching or something like that. It's, it's powerlifting. Like, relax. Mm. I don't think anybody's coaching is worth that much money. Um, um, but it, it did help in the realm of like sponsorships. Uh, everybody knows that to, to really help your sponsor, you need to have a reach. Um, I have to say it's all about followers because it, it's not, but you do need to have a reach. You, if your sponsors are helping you, you got to be able to help them. It's a, it's a give and take relationship. And, it, and I, I know that. I'm a businessman at heart, so I kind of understand how that works. Um, so I knew the extra followers would kind of help, uh, help me push uh, the companies that I help as well, that they help me. So that's something I'm actually excited about. I can push quality stuff out to more people. Um, I can interact with more people. I like actually interacting with all the followers I have um, already. So it just it's just a little bit more exciting now because I got a lot of new people on there that I can post memes for. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, in the swipe up, I mean, I know uh, if you're going to do like sponsorships, if you're going to do like coaching, because you're going to, you own your own business, you are an entrepreneur and yeah. you do have sponsors. So once you get the swipe up, you can do a swipe up to your coaching. You can do a swipe up to sponsors. You can do, and yeah. it's not like sponsors are like, you know, like a high school, are you cool situation when they look at followers, They're looking at your followers because yeah. they're essentially buying advertising. And yeah. is your platform, if, if everyone's channel is like a Netflix or Disney plus or whatever, what kind of ratings are you bringing in essentially? Right. So they look at it and they're like, wow, you got, you know, exactly. you're starting to get more and more. So it's all about like supply and demand and what are we paying for exactly. Right. So yeah. it makes sense on more than just the, uh, you know, numbers wise to boost the ego, but, um, I've seen, man, I was following, I, I was following your stories and holy smokes. And a lot of people break, come out, you know, in full support. So it's got to feel good, man. I mean, you, yeah. it seemed like every 30 seconds you had another or 30 minutes, you had another person reposting, you repost their story, them saying, congratulations, <laughs> to Chad, who, yeah. who, who came out. And, um, for a long, you know, to, to have been in the game for a decade, you know, hustling and then dealing with injuries like this on and off. And it, injuries are so frustrating, man, because like, I know what you mean when yeah. you say, you know, if you feel like you, you take a couple steps forward and then you get injured and you take another step back, take a couple steps forward. Yeah. And you're like, the progress is slowed. And you're like, frig man. And if it isn't one thing, it's the other, the squat goes down. All right. The squats back. We're back. Now the bench. Yeah. Ah, shit. Yeah. Now, okay. The bench is back. Wow. Well, now, now we're dealing with something on the deads and you're like, I'm not putting it together to my capability that my believers, my supporters think I can, you know, and I'm not bringing it. And that's frustrating. So when something like the yeah. U S Kern that just happened unfolds, it's gotta be satisfying to be like, there it is. That's what everybody who believed in me thought I could do. Yeah, that was, that was a, a huge, huge moment. Um, even if I hadn't taken first, uh, just the, the total I put together, um, and just getting the, the world records finally that I've been chasing for the whole my whole career basically is is something that 
I would have taken away from that with a huge smile on my face, regardless of whatever the size of the check was. That, that's all fine and dandy, but it was, it was like a, a culmination of all this work and all the effort. And it finally all came together without being all jacked up. I left the meet and I wasn't hurt. Um, hamstring was a little strained, but other than that, I, I left the meet 100% happy. Um, shared a beer with Dan Bell. And <laughs> it, it was a good time. So, um, honestly, just being able to put it all together after all these years and people been following me, like, like family and friends, they don't really know, know a whole lot about the sport, but it's like, oh, he, he got a world record. It, they don't really probably see the significance of it, but it's they recognize it even a little bit. And it's like, finally, I got something that nobody can take away. Even if I had to stop piloting right now, it's like, I got one of the most coveted things you can get. It wasn't a current time, it was a world record. So I'm in the books. And I think that's something I've been chasing for the longest. So not only that, satisfied. You, you broke into, so world records come and go, but when you're the first to do something, you were the first 90, yeah. key, 90 kilo lifter to break into the 400s for a squat. That's like, people remember the first, right? In like in between the 300 to 400, how many times a record got passed around different world record holders. But when you're the first, it, it makes it even better. You know, that's yeah. that, you know, who was the first ever 90 kilo lifter to bring it into the 400 kilo squat? And that's you now. So it doesn't matter who, who breaks the world record from here on out. You were the first yep. one to cross that barrier. That means something, man. And now mm-hmm. you're real close to joining the thousand kilo club. And I, by real close, I mean two and a half kilo, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's probably the I, I only. That one. I was like, damn. <laughs> damn, we got close. So, so close. If I just got that third bench, it would be right That there. was it. It was the third bench as well, yeah. I know you mean yeah. too, though, in terms of um, when you go really hard on your second attempt, for that extra two and a half kilo on the bench or whatever, you could really gas out. It's, a, it's one of those yeah. dicey things, man, where you're like, all right, we throw two and a half kilo. We could really empty the tank um, fighting for two and a half kilo. And you start asking yourself, well, how worth it is it? I mean, that two and a half kilo could have got you a thousand kilo total. So it's, it is what it is. Yeah. Obviously, all's well, it ends well. But what, it, what, what is next for you? Uh, so right now, uh, we're going to be getting ready for the, uh, the showdown meet here in September. So it'll be, uh, you know, all sleeves. This one is a dots meet. Um, so it'll be a little bit more friendly to us middleweights, but I don't think John or me really cares anymore <laughs> at this point. Wilkes and, Wilkes and Dots in the middleweight the, in the middleweight area at, at both of our levels is kind of like almost the same. So mm. we don't really get much of a curve or much handicap from it. So, And how you feeling taking the wraps off? Uh, I feel good. I really surprisingly don't really like wraps that much. I didn't have oh, much, wow. a lot of time. I had I had maybe six rap sessions between uh, the hybrid showdown. I took a week off from hybrid and then uh, threw the raps on a little bit. Uh, yeah, like six, maybe six times before uh, the Kern. And I even took two weeks off because they were kind of irritating my hamstring and I didn't want to I didn't want to pull anything, you know, at the meet. I was like, okay, let's let's be healthy going into the meet. If the weight's there, it'll be there. Two weeks won't make much of a difference. Mm. Um, so yeah, I only had like six rap sessions and a lot of it was just kind of seeing where I was. It was it wasn't really in kind of like fine-tuning where I wanted to like foot placement, how to get out of that mono in the, the proper way for that's gonna give me the best pick and know where my feet should be. That was that was really all I could do. I couldn't really get stronger, I couldn't really work uh strengthening my hips or anything like that. So I literally kind of just went from sleeves to pretty much maxing out and wraps in six weeks, working on some technique. 
So I'm hoping with the time from the showdown to the next current, I can actually put some effort into some lighter wraps and working on technique and strengthening my hips because the way I squat obviously super wide, the stronger my hips are, the better I'll be. So I'm hoping with some actual time to train, you know, a couple months of actual working and then peaking and doing what I just did this whole time, I think I'll actually be able to put a lot of weight on my squat. And that'll probably be my last 198 uh, meet right there. Hopefully John was moving up too because I'm tired of cutting weight. I think he is too. <laughs> <laughs> well, how much weight do you cut? Uh, so for this meet, I was, uh, I want to say I started dieting down after the hybrid showdown. I kind of ballooned back up like 218, so not too much. And then before we started the, the water load process, I dieted down to about 215, 214 is the change. And uh, I got down to about 194, I think, 193. Okay. 20 pounds of water? Yeah. Well, yeah. It, was, it was like water, food. I was still pretty hydrated the night before, uh, like two nights before the meet. And, uh, and then I sauntered off until I was on weight. But I was, I was snacking while I was sauntering, so I didn't really, I didn't feel bad. I felt great. And then I sauntered off about three more pounds that morning. Still felt great. So, uh, like, I was eating and sipping Gatorade while I was cutting weight. So, it wasn't like I was miserable the whole time. It was a pretty easy cut. So, I think I think cutting down to 198 again for showdown would be just as easy. But maybe by current, I'll probably be like, all right, screw this. Let's, let's, let's get bigger. That way I can get ready for when, when you is welcome back into the country. <laughs> we can all have a party at 220. That's right. And um, so the showdown's the next one. And the showdown is really popping right now. I mean, the, yeah. the invites they have is crazy right now. Yeah, it's it's going to be – that's probably one of the most I'm, – I'm the most excited for that meet than probably any meet that I've ever been been to. Like, I'm, I'm more excited for this meet than I am to watch, like, Raw National, where if I was watching the current, like, I'm – this is the meet I feel like everybody should be trying to see in person. It's historic. Yeah, especially with all the crossovers and whatnot. Now, coming yeah. into the coming into this Kern, because you had put so much onto your total. Um, I know some people seen you coming, but you you obviously, if anyone was sleeping on you, now you're on everybody's radar. So the pressure coming into the Kern, if everyone's looking at Bell, looking at Hack, and 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 there wasn't the pressure. There's was some pressure on you for sure, but not as much now that you are the U.S. Kern champion. And you're going into the showdown. Do you think it's going to feel different when you're like, oh, shit, everybody's looking at me now? Oh, uh, <laughs> probably yes and no. Um, just mainly because there's there's a small difference, you know, that there won't be any wraps on there. So I feel like people are kind of being like, oh, well, he's not in wraps. He's going to get that big curve. Um, but still, uh, I think after the hybrid showdown, after looking at the all-time dots numbers, um, I think I'm sitting at eight. And actually, like I told you, I was injured heading into that meet too. Like I had a, I had a plan like 2080 to 2100 total that I wanted, but I couldn't push like bench and I couldn't push the squats as hard because of the uh, elbow issue I had two weeks out. Um, so I didn't even do my last week of training because I was resting. But I hope with looking at the dots from that meet that people kind of realize like, okay, he's not just a, a reps one trick pony. I'm a pretty balanced out lifter. Um, the main goal for me in that meet is to, when off season and leading up to that meet, is to kind of close the gap between me and John on uh, like bench and deadlifts a little bit. Uh, try to get a big, 
trying to really grow my squat. Squat's probably my best lift for me. And it grows the easiest, uh, especially when I'm like injury free. So hopefully I go into that meet and we can we can fight it out for first and second. And no disrespect to anybody else, but that's that's kind of that's what I want. I want to be me, me and John battling out for first and second. Everybody else can have the the rest. <laughs> there it is, man. I mean, it's it's a. Did you did you expect going into twenty twenty one the rivalry that was going to take place in powerlifting would be you and John Hack? Because John Hack, everyone knows John Hack. He's on the radar, but now everybody's talking yeah. like, and everyone wanted Yuri Hack, and now all of a sudden it's Chad Penson and Hack. Uh. No, I'm gonna say no. If I'm being 100 honest, the gap the gap is still kind of ridiculous. Even looking at the <laughs> the hybrid showdown, um, if, if you want to like say who's the king of what, it's like he's the like, he's still he's still the goat like right now. Um, like I have no issue saying that he's he's the goat. Um, I can't currently can't touch him, and I am 100 honest with that. I even had a people were kind of taking some of the YouTube videos that people were posting like, oh, Chad Pinson be hacked, blah blah. blah. They were like, well, he was in Swedes, he was in Raps, he wasn't there. I, I just want everybody to go on record, or hear me and hear me going on record saying I know that John knows that he went to the meet in sleeves of his own volition and still got third. We all we know what happened, and I never said that I was beating John in, in Raps and sleeves. Um, I'll be the king of raps right now. That's cool. John is still the current king of sleeves. Uh, I, the thing is with this now is I actually have time to train without being all jacked up. So I'm hoping it'll actually give him um, kind of the same look he got at the current. I think this is the first meet we actually have to kind of like, I need to do something big for Deadlift to try to come out for the win. I don't think he's actually had to do that for a meet, mm. like probably ever. Except maybe since, I'm not really sure how Worlds went for him back in the day. Um, I watched, but I can't remember. So I don't know if he actually had to jockey a little bit, but that that's what makes powerlifting fun. If you're just going out here kicking everybody's ass every time, yeah. What I, I don't know how you can stay motivated. Yeah. So hopefully that'll give him a push and we can actually have some fun on the track. Me, me and John are cool. So it's not like a oh, I'm gonna kick your ass rivalry. It's like let's see how far we can push each other. Because I want to see John do something insane. I want to see me do something insane. And I think right now we're in a really good position to even make uh, the number that Yuri was putting up look like child's play in the next couple of years before we take our bow out of the sport. And I will, I think that's something that powers the needs. I think it'll be historic. Whether whether I've ever beat him in sleeves or not, I think it'll be fun to actually see him have a push in his own weight class versus just trying to jockey for a Wilkes score. Because nobody can touch him in the Wilkes either in sleeves. So. Here's the thing. In sports, you need a sports rival. You need, yeah, you can't, you when you're, that. when you're unpushed, what, you, you, you hit the nail right on the head. When you're training, what do you, if nobody's chasing you, you're, you're going to jog to the finish line, obviously like day in, day out. It's not until you have someone and you're like, fuck, you go to bed at night. You're like, damn it. If I don't hustle, Chad's got me and, and vice versa, right? You, you, you both have, you're chasing hack and you know, like, okay, if you're ahead now, I know what's possible. I'm chasing. I'm chasing and I, because I see what I want. And for Hack, if he's ahead in sleeves right now, he's looking back like, if I take my foot off the gas, this young man has already proven he can put it together and he's making huge strides. Who's to say where you're going to be, be able to put together by fall? So, yeah, and if he has a bad day too, look, you go nine for nine, he misses a couple lifts. It doesn't – you throw nominations out the window. That's why sports 
otherwise I had Lane Norton on the podcast. He's like, there's a reason why in sports you, uh, you hit the field and play. Otherwise they're just going to give the championship to the Yankees every year. You know what I mean? No yeah. need to play. No, you got to play. You got to play the game. Yeah. That's not how sports goes. Anything can happen. And I think that's uh, applicable to John too, because you know, he, he's got that huge fan base. So even leading into the meet, um, they were like asking, there were polls going around, like, who do you guys think is going to win? And, and it was like, John, 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 John. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, John has to beat Dan. And yeah. this is a, this is a rap meet. And it it kind of goes back to saying, too, like, I don't think you guys are doing any type of due diligence research. You're just kind of going off who you like in the sport. Like, I, I like a lot of flippers, but I know, I know who and when they can beat somebody. It's not, it's not because I like them the most that they're just going to win. Same thing goes for people who like me a lot. Like all my best friends, if they if they want me to win, that's cool. Is it? I'm only to be realistic though. Like don't tell me, oh, you're gonna win, and I, I gotta beat somebody that's a 700 looks. No, the hell I'm not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I might even you know I put together 650. That's a stretch, but even then, I was like, I'm not beating. Like if I had to go against the like Mariana and I had to beat her Wilkes, it's yeah. not gonna happen, buddy. Not for yeah. probably another two three years if I even you know hit with no injury. So uh, I think it's just funny, just like you said, you know, just give it to the Yankees every year. If it was a popularity contest, yeah, sure. But we're not we're not here for straight up popularity. We're here because we want to hit, we want to we want to be legends. We want to put together some insane numbers, some big lifts, big totals. Like nope, some of us don't care about certain records. We care about the total. We care about we don't care about winning the meet. You know, it's not even all about the money. The money's cool. It's great. But it's some, it's sometimes it's way more than that. And if we can go down in history for something and be just a living legend, look at Ed Cohn. Mm-hmm. That, that man's the GOAT, right? You know, that that man, no amount of money can take that, that away from him. He, he's the GOAT. He's what most people aspire to be. Like, you come up in the, the couple generations ago for politics, and that's who you looked up to. When I came up, I was looking up to Dan Green. Still am. That man is a monster to me. <laughs> I see him do stuff that is just insane. Like, front squatting 500 pounds. I'm just like, stop. Stop getting stronger, man. I remember Dan Green when I first got into powerlifting. Um, Because, I mean, even still now, but on social media, everyone on Instagram is following some people. He's following nobody. Zero. He's got zero followers, but he would have, I mean, now it doesn't seem as crazy. 300,000, over 300,000 followers is still big. But the fact that, like, he doesn't care about social media. He doesn't care about, like, any of that stuff. He is totally just in his own zone and, and, and dancing to his own beat. Like his YouTube video, he doesn't put much effort into his YouTube channels. People, he doesn't, I don't even think he has one of those banner pictures up on his YouTube. People will go to him and be like, dude, you just don't give a fuck when it comes to, because he's, you know, he's not in it for have, that. He doesn't have to. Yeah, yeah he's not in it for that. He's already, he's, he's that dude that 15, 20 years ago, we, we were all looking at like, damn, this is a, he, he's aesthetic. He's big and he's strong. He wasn't like the old back in the day. Like he was, he's kind of like the dang, like the, the Ed Cone back then, kind of. You know, yeah. Ed Cone wasn't a big early guy in, a, in, in the suit. He was, he was this buff country looking dude going around huge ass weights yeah. with massive shoulders. You know, like dude's big. And then now you got Dan Green and the, the next generation over who's ripped to shit, looks like a pro football player. <laughs> Like he bodybuilds in his in the in the offseason or something, and he's just massive. And this is why, okay, so I can be big and I can be strong. I don't have to be this this fat guy. 
And I think that was kind of a shift that happened. And now you see all these problems that are like concerned about nutrition, aesthetics. And I think that might be a little bit of why the numbers are getting pushed the way they are too. Like people are actually taking care of themselves. It's not all about just, you know, mass moves weight. It's, it's, it's technique, it's nutrition. It's actually having smart training, building muscle. And I think that's what's kind of led the shift is people actually having the right type of people to look at, look at, look after, you know, and look up to. So I think all that kind of just coincides in, in a big way. Uh, for sure. I mean, you if you want to talk about like Wilkes and dot scores going up, you don't have people carrying access weight that's not contributing towards their lifting. Like there's diminishing yeah. gains to size if it's just more or less fluffy, right? Like a guy like yeah. Dan Green is like, look, we're cutting out the fluff. The guy looked like a football. The guy looks like he stepped out of a comic book, for God's sake. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah ungodly proportions it's he's absolutely jacked and freaking and he he's like upside down he could walk on his hands and do all types of crazy shit he's got the long hair and he's it's it's like a weird aura when it comes to dan green and yeah, um, comic book hero. <laughs> dude 100 and um in the same way that he was for us um in this era for like the hype started really is and, and still is now obviously but surrounding john hack in terms of like you said on it, if hack was into a competition, who do you think is going to win? Nobody's even looking into it. No one's looking into, is this like, like you're saying, people weren't even looking into if it's a sleeved event and he's going and he's, or a wrapped event, he's going in on sleeves. They, they don't care. They're yeah. just like, hack, yeah, hack, hack, <laughs> based off of that. So he's become a bit of that. And um, now that you are, you know, now that you got to win at the US Kern and now you're going to have the showdown and now you're going in there, you're going to have people looking your way now. And, um, the same way people were viewing, you know, Dan Green and his previous battles. Now this is like, you're limited. Has that kind of dawned on you a little bit as well too? Like the following now and people are going to start paying attention. And now you're going to have people saying, when you go into a competition, Chad, Chad, I got Chad. Chad's my man. Because everyone loves an underdog story. Everyone loves the guy who comes back from injuries and it's a comeback story. Everyone loves those yeah. stories, man. They're going to take inspiration from it. And so and as big as somebody gets like hack, when you're a hack, you're like a Mike Tyson everyone's rooting for the fucking guy to try to knock off the king because it's exciting to have a new king coming maybe right even though you're saying like openly look at man i'm catching up i'm behind on this cat i'm trying to close the gap people are gonna root for the underdog it's just the way people are when it comes to sports man are you yeah. feeling that a little bit does that change your approach knowing people are looking at uh, you like that I, so i had a few people kind of like coming to me like oh man you know i think you can do it you know like before uh, the current and stuff and i was like yeah, it's possible. We still got to see how the cards fall because, um, like I said, I, I looked at everybody's potential best numbers and calculated Wilkes for like over a two week period. And I was watching everybody. I was like, all right, Dan and John, what I got to look for. This is what they're doing right now. This is what I think they're capable of and what they might do at the meeting. It kind of went, it went almost exactly as I figured they would they would do. Um, so I was like, okay, good job with that. You know, make sure you get your own damn numbers. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, I just, I mean, I, I think that's probably going to happen, but I just want it to be, hopefully live up to the expectation. Like, you know, I just, I, it, it's a little bit of pressure, you know, like you got right. now you're here, you got to keep putting together these, these good performances to actually live up to the hype. And, um, I mean, look at, if, if I go back and look at like my open power profile, I've, I've kind of, I've increased every time I just want to keep keep that trend going and actually put together something that will actually stimulate the rivalry more. Cause right now it's kind of like, okay, 
we get to see the top two on that eights go at it. John's the John still he's here, you know, and I'm here. And if you look at everybody else, we, it might be down to here the next guy. But it's like okay, there's still a disparity. But uh, hopefully by the showdown uh, and sleeves, it'll be like okay, we can actually watch these guys kind of battle it out and then go to the judges for the final score type of deal versus a, a TKO for everybody. Yeah, where it's and, it's it's over before the last deadlift type deal. Yeah, that's kind of what uh what I'm hoping we we can accomplish what well, I can accomplish uh, John's gonna do his thing I'm gonna do mine of course but I gotta I gotta put in the work to catch up he's gonna put in the work to stay ahead and it's it's gonna be an exciting time I actually uh hopefully we get to train together a few a few times while we're getting ready to uh, it's fun it's fun training with John too especially with John and Andy there we get to kind of talk shit and just kind of marvel at each other um I like to watch him bench and I'm just like dude how do you <laughs> how <laughs> how are you benching almost 600 man it's insane um, and watching them deadlifts fun too. So, um, but it's kind of like the battle of opposites too. And everybody like loves, uh, you know, the conventional captain, captain, uh, America here. <laughs> I, I get so much hate. Though. He pulled sumo. I'm like, okay, well, it's not, it's not easier, obviously, because he's pulling almost 900 pounds. So just leave, leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all levers. Yeah, exactly. And people yeah, who, yeah, who know, man. people who know powerlifting know it. And I, and I know what you mean where, um, I loved your analogy or your comparison where like if it was a boxing match or MMA match where a stoppage loss would be before you get to the last deads, the guy's already yeah. got it won. And, 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 and if, if you can make it that it's decision, meaning his last deadlift, he's pulling for the win. So if John's going to win, fine, but I want him to be in a fight where he has to load the bar for the win and he has to hit his last deadlift to win it. And if he misses, I win. And if he gets the last dead and wins, hats off to you, John. But I want to scrap. So when people leave, they're like, that was a fun, that was a good show. Chad, no matter what, Chad made him work for it. We actually saw John in a scrap. Um, I know what you mean, man. It's, it's different that way as opposed to like not only for you guys training, but as a viewer, if I'm watching the stream, there's nothing worse than this guy's winning and then he's winning and then he won. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, there's no shifting in momentum. Whereas if you show up, you're ahead on squats, bench John got it, but how much did he close the gap? You're still ahead on squats. Now we're into deads and you're hitting your deads and holy shit. Somebody's got to pull for the win on the third dead. That is yeah. a sport. That's powerlifting. You know, we haven't That's had that all the time. Right. Yeah. And you're head to head. Yeah, that's when it's fun. It's yeah. no, it, you don't have to break out a calculator as well because you're in the same weight class. I don't mind, yeah. like, like I know, I understand, um, you know, I like that they use the, the Wilkes and the Dots to try to make this happen because you need to, right, to have competition. But uh, the fact that you and John yeah. are in the same weight class, so nobody at home has to break out a fucking Wilkes calculator because probably nobody's going to. They could just straight yeah. up see kilos of kilos, baby. Pounds of pounds. We could see what, what you need to throw on for your last dead and his last dead. So it's good, man. You put it this way, you're doing your job, man. You made it exciting again. And I'm and I think I'll speak for all the powerlifting. We're grateful to have you on board, man, because John probably too, man. It is interesting yeah. that you guys train together in that um, I mean, you're having Andy wrap your knees, but I mean Andy's like one of John's best friends. Right. So yeah. it's yeah, they're, they're good buddies. So it's one of those deals where John's like, you don't gotta wrap his knees too tight, no. Yeah. <laughs> or slight one knee slightly less tight the other knee's a little tighter i don't know make it feel yeah. a little weird but uh yeah and are you also sponsored by our rebel when is this coming out <laughs> uh shortly you know okay you know what you don't have to say nothing 
If you don't want to, I don't know exactly because I just dropped the podcast. Or you want to make an official announcement? I can wait a minute to drop it. Uh, if you wait past Monday, we'll be fine. We'll but wait yeah. past Monday, Doug. No yeah. worries. <laughs> so you're sponsored by Honor Rebel. Well, congratulations, sir. Thank you. Thank you. You're rocking the Honor so, Rebel uh, shirt. Yeah, it's got a nice little care package in with the new gear. So, um, there it is. But yeah, yeah. Um, talked to Andy a few weeks, uh, like a couple weeks ago, right before the meet, and uh, we we had a little discussion about it. So I actually got my all my gear stolen um, twice in 2020 out of my uh, fiance's parking garage at her house in uh, San Diego. And the first time all my gear stolen, I bought everything again. The friends kind of helped chip in. It happened on. Valentine's Day. It was shitty. Worst, worst timing ever. All, all my stuff going, my window busted open, and I'm just heading down to go to a Valentine's Day dinner at the steakhouse. And I am like livid. My car windows are busted. There's glass all in it. And I'm just like, where is my stuff? All my stuff's gone. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a thing. And then a few months later, it happened again. But they didn't bust my windows this time. So the second time, um, I was trying you know, try to get all my stuff together. I was training. I was... Uh, Handling some one of my clients at a meet, I think at Ironmongers, and Andy was there, and he was like, "Hey, what's up, man? I saw you got all your stuff stolen." He gave me a pair of uh, sleeves, and uh, at the time I was like a big SPD guy, you know, it's the only gear I'd ever used for the most part. And um, I tried the sleeves on. Um, then he told me I had a small. I was like, "I don't think I can fit a small, man. <laughs> I don't have any calves, though, so maybe." He's like, "John, where's the small?" I'm like, "Okay, well, John can fit a small. I probably fit a small." So I tried them on; they fit fine. And did a couple sets, and I was like, these are pretty damn nice. <laughs> so uh, so I kept using them. Um, and he asked me, he's like, which one do you, you know, do you like better? And I was like, he's like, do you like the SBDs over ours? I was like, no, actually, I don't. It's whatever I got in my bag this time is going to get used because they, they both feel pretty damn good. Um, and here's, there's, I actually feel like they're a little tighter. Um, I'm not, I'm not big on like super tight sleeves anyways, but uh, I don't feel like they give you like extra carryover, but the compression, the warmth does feel a lot better when they're a little more snug, but they weren't like tight to the point where I cut my circulation off. So I was, I was like, yeah, these are probably my go-tos now, as long as I keep them in my damn bag. <laughs> now I got a home gym, everything's accessible. So it's like, cool, I got my stuff with me everywhere I go. Um, so yeah, I've uh, actually, I've tried their, their, uh, their outlaw wraps out too, and they're, they're nice. They're solid. They're not too abrasive for the actual knee wraps. I didn't switch from those to the uh, for my phantoms for the uh, the meat because it was short notice. Mm. Uh, so I didn't want to change anything like that. Um, but they're, everything is is good quality. And I personally would say it's comparable, if not better, than SBE stuff. So I'm happy to be a part of the team now. Now me and John are teammates, and it makes things a little bit a little bit more fun. No so, kidding. Trading partners, yeah. teammates, and also sporting rivals. It's uh yeah, it's a hell of a story now, man. And um, in terms of your your bag getting stolen, now you got to keep an eye on your neighbors and which one's getting a little more jack lately. Right? <laughs> you're like, hey man, you you getting a little more buffed up, man? You you got some new equipment? What's going on over there? He's got. It's really silly, man. Like all the stuff in my car, you steal my gym bag. So here's the funny thing: they were actually the first time it got broken into. They were like, uh, I think two pair of Jordans in my car. One was brand new. Another pair looked brand new. They were like. Maybe one twice. They didn't take those. They took my gym bag. I'm like, did you, Dog, did you guys just of... like hit and runs, grab some stuff and go? It didn't look in the back seat. 
Or this is like Mark Wahlberg and The Rock in that one movie where they're criminals, but they're jacked up bodybuilder criminals or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, look at it. What dudes are these? Are this this criminal yeah. enterprise? We're like, we're stealing gym equipment. And we're putting, you know. It's like, are these powerlifters? They didn't want me to train? Somebody had that's to right. Train. That's right. Yeah. You want exactly. Sticky old knee sleeves? All right, man, go for it. It's it was a pain because. Like five hundred, six hundred dollars worth of gear I had to replace, and some of it had some nostalgia to it that items weren't they weren't on sale anymore. So, yeah, I, I also now I work at my gym, so it is what it is. I also know what you mean where in terms of uh, when you got the new wraps, and um, you didn't want to switch wraps too close to the meat because it's almost like you don't want to go into battle with an untested gun type deal, where it's like, look at me, yeah. I'm not used to this. I want to make sure. Um, because the, it, it, for a lot of people, like myself, I don't use wraps. It makes a difference when you switch wraps. Like you could tell the difference in tightness and how it feels on your knees. No. Yeah. I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm probably a little different than most lifters. Like I, I don't really too much care that much. I feel like I'm pretty adaptable. Um, so like, let's say I forgot my wrist wraps or something on my shoes or something like that. The only thing that's gonna throw me off too much, like if it's meat days, if I have to lift, if I have to squat the flats. Everything else, if I have to lift it a different pair of sleeves or a different pair of wraps, I think I'll be fine. Just wrap those shits tight. And I think I'll, <laughs> I can make do. Um, if it's a completely different style of wrap, like the wrapper changes and they don't wrap it as tight or something, then, yeah. then that's gonna kind of be like a little bit of a damper. But Honestly, I, I feel like a lot of people put too much, too much stock into exactly what it is they're using and how it fits and all that other stuff. Like if you can lift the weight, it might be a little different, but you sh- your body mechanics shouldn't change to the point where the the gear you're using is fucking up your lifts that bad. You're just in your head. But at the same time, you do want to train in quality gear, but it shouldn't be the be all end all to a training session or even a meet day. Like you got to switch belts and. Like I use my SPD belt all day, every day. But if some if I leave it and somebody has a prong belt that I can make fit, guess guess what? I'm gonna make the prong <laughs> yeah. belt work. <laughs> yeah, you know? you're not dropping out of the beat. You're like, well, we're dropping out. Right, you know. But but granted, it it is something that is if you can keep your your training environment as constant or as identical to the meat environment as you can, that is obviously going to help. <laughs> but just don't let it ruin your day. Yeah. That's how I look at it. Any any variable you can keep a hold of, obviously you want to keep a yeah. hold of, right? Um, yeah, control control all the variables you can, but if you can't, just do do your best with it. You know, do the best with what you got. Because everything's not always going to be perfect, and if you if you rely on everything being perfect all the time, you start to become a diva, you know, and then it, it just when something like, goes wrong, it just ruins your day. <laughs> and that's not life period, anyways. If yeah. you're waiting, yeah. like if you're waiting for the perfect, the stars never align, man. There's always something it's not gonna happen. Yeah, there's always something. Do you train on calibrated plates at home? Or uh, I, I do now. Uh, it was a long time coming while I was trying to get a, like a home gym set up uh, because I don't have any powerlifting gyms in my immediate area. Um, the thing the closest one's like an hour and a half or something like that. And because uh, you know military schedule, I get off work at like four thirty-five. Sometimes it's like if I got to drive an hour and a half to go lift and then drive back, and I still got a program or a coach or do some type of schooling, that's not gonna work for me. <laughs> so yeah, um, I actually got gifted a single pair of red plates by one of my lieutenants a couple years ago for my birthday. So if anybody goes back to any of my training videos and you see a single pair of red plates in, while I'm squatting, 
Those are the one pair of road plates I got from my, one of my lieutenants. Um, so he invested in my career a little bit, so that was dope. But until about a month ago or so, I was training on that one pair of red plates and a pound plates, unless I was traveling down to San Diego uh, with my fiance to go train at California Elite. Then I would use kilos when I could, like for uh, mainly for deadlifts. I didn't really care too much about squats as much. I, just, I can't pull that good on pound plates. I know most people can because it gives them a little bit more whip or whatever, but right. I suck with pound plates. They, they, the whip throws me off so much at the top that I, it just, it's not a good time. So if I'm having a good day on pound plates, it's it's actually a bit more motivating than I find opposite from some people. It is, man, because uh, especially with the deadlift bar, the further away the weight is, because pound plates are thicker, the yeah. the more like pull you get the more slack the more the bar bends etc but you're right yeah like that the flip side of that is if there's a whip and it throws you off especially if you're pulling sumo and there's a little teetering yeah. at the top and you're like Fuck, i don't like that man it's kind of pulling me out of position yeah. it messes me up pretty bad so if i'm having a good day on pound plates then it usually translates good two kilo plates but i pull better on kilos um so if I, if I have a good if I have a good pound plate PR, I'm like, oh shit, man! I need to buy a field <laughs> plate next week because I'm feeling good. Who does your training? Who are your coaching? I mean, me. Oh wow! I am responsible for my own destruction at the moment. Is that because that can be? It's empowering but nerve wracking at the same time. Like, do you consult anybody if you're like? Here's the thing: you can get emotionally attached to some numbers, like powerlifters are like that, right? So you start telling yeah. yourself. I need to hit this single uh, in training, or I need to hit this double, triple, whatever it is, to equate to, in my math, my single I want on meet date. The problem with that is, and you might be right, like you might be like, a double a, a week out, a week out, if I could double this, I could probably single that. But here's the problem. If a week out, your body's just not there. You've already told yourself. In, in a coach would be like, it doesn't matter what you told yourself, we're a week out, it's okay, you don't need to hit it. But if you are your coach and you are the lifter, you'd be like, no, fuck that. I'm hating it. Like, I need to try. You will empty the tank. You can empty the tank going for certain numbers that you've told yourself when you wrote this program. Whereas a coach who has no emotional attachment to these numbers and doesn't romanticize the numbers in their head would be like, what well, you know, we got a plan, yeah. but listen to your body. Listen I think there's plan. a quote. Yeah. There's a quote that says, in training, you listen to your body. In competition, you tell your body to shut up, <laughs> right? And you just do what you got to yeah. do. So how do you balance yeah. it out? How do you balance it out being being a coach and a lifter at the same time? Uh, so this is so this is going to kind of explain probably what took me so long to actually climb the rankings a little bit. <laughs> so I started off coaching myself too. Uh, and, you know, back in 2011, 2013 time frame, there wasn't as much knowledge out. The training wasn't as smart for pretty much anybody back then, except for a few guys that knew what they were doing on like bodybuilding.com forums. And that's where I went to learn at first. I didn't have a coach back then or anything, but I took a couple of online programs. I did like the five by fives and I even did snow laws like two or three times. That sucked. Ouch. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think I'm not sure. But I think Arian, the guy that co-podcast with you sometimes, yeah, I think he yeah. was on bodybuilding.com at the time too. If his name, I think it was like Arian Tank or something like that. I don't know. If that was him, I read a lot of his shit too back in the day. Probably. So thank you for that, if that was him. Um, so I, I was training kind of stupid the first couple of years, honestly. Like I was just 
doing dumb stuff. I was doing too much volume. Um, my body does respond well to volume, but I was I was making it hard on myself. And I was doing shit like smoke low. Frequency was too high. The intensity was way too high for the level of lifter I was. And I was just doing too much. Um, but it was a learning experience. I think that taught me like, hey, you need to calm the hell down. Uh, so when I came back to the sports, I took some time off between like 2013 and 2015, jacked my back up, um, doing small love. <laughs> uh, on like the first day too, I didn't even get to do anything heavy. It was like the first day of like set to nine. The only thing I did the first set, that was warming up. <laughs> but anyway, oh, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know what the hell happened. Jacked my back up really bad. And now I get like a little bit of sciatica here and there, but it's been feeling a lot better. So I don't really have that, that issue as much anymore. But so took the time off, came back. I uh, was still coaching myself a little bit, hired a coach, um, I'm not going to say who, hired a coach and didn't really like how things were getting done, but I took the, the time that I got with him and kind of like used it to see did this, did this work for me or not kind of type of deal. Uh, hired another coach a few months later after trying to do my own thing for a little bit. And this guy I knew, so we actually talked like, how do I like to train? How do I feel like things work for me? Uh, and it was a really good coach-client relationship. Uh, I learned a lot from him. I took some methodologies from him and applied it to my training still. And it's been working out as well. So and his name is Joe. He, uh, not Joe Sullivan, but uh, Joe Todd. He coaches at a Spartan Barbell out in Colorado. Nice, nice small gym. They got a lot of calibrated plates. If anybody's out in Denver or the Colorado Springs area, not Denver, Colorado Springs area, they look that gym up. Great gym, great people. Um, so yeah, that kind of taught me like, okay, you need to calm the hell down. Cause I hurt myself again, getting emotionally attached to a number. I wanted to hit a 600 pound squat. And I was like, okay, if I can hit, just like you said, if I can hit this many reps with 550 at the time, I can hit 600 in the meet. And I already hit 600 in like training, but I just, I was overseas. So I wasn't lifting at the time or competing. So I was like, I want to get this in the meet. Ended up tearing up my groin <laughs> and I didn't lift for a good month. And this was before I think the LA Fit Expo 2018. Uh, ended up doing the meet anyway. I just didn't lift for a month and things went okay. I ended up getting like a 550 squat. I went for 600 on my third, but it was a little too much for my, my groin. That's when things went, went south. Um, ended up hiring another coach. Um, his, name, his name was DJ. He was CC Holcomb's ex, or CC uh, Ingram's ex husband. Uh, lots of volume. Um, a lot of volume destroyed me. It was, I think it was probably too much steel, but I did notice kind of what I responded to. So, but at that point, I was like, okay, got uh, stopped working with him for for reasons. Um, and that's when I kind of took my coaching back to myself, and I kind of developed what worked for me. So now, to keep myself from getting all jacked up, I give myself a training range each week to hit. If I feel good, I can bump up this many pounds, but it keeps me in the pocket mm. because uh, like I tell my lifters too, like if, if you feel good that day, that doesn't just give you the right to go up in you know, 10, 15 pounds. That's not how the hell this works because next week we still need to have some type of progression. Right. And you bet your ass I'll keep you at the same fucking weight if you threw my plan off. <laughs> yeah. Because if I'm especially in meat prep, when you go up 5, 10 pounds and I wanted to bump you up 5 next week or I want to bump you up 15 next week, and you, you did your own thing without consulting me. That kind of throws off the whole plan. And it's like, well, it's kind of a big screw you to your coach who's actually trying to give you thought out training. 
So I had to have the same respect for myself. Like, okay, if you have a range to hit, you feel good, cool, we go up this much. But if you don't feel good and you hit the minimum, we still got good quality work in that day. And that's kind of the application I've been giving myself. Like, I'm still structuring my training and make sure everything's balanced. But if I have that range, it's like, okay, you're ahead of schedule a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you're still not going to put yourself too far ahead where you can't do next week's training and it fucks up your, your recovery. And that's been working for me the last few months. And it kind of also helped me give a better gauge of where my attempts next week be because I'll be ahead of schedule now. And that worked out really good for hybrid. Worked out really good for current because it kind of helped me know where my squats were. Like I had a range of 770 to 804 the day I hit 804. Self wrapped for 775, went great, and it was like, I'll wrap this 804, and it flew. Mm. Same concept two weeks later, 840 to 867, both flew with handy wraps. And I was like, all right, 881 is going to be there. I feel it with a good wrap and some rest. It'll be fine. Did the same thing with bench deadlifts. And that's how I kind of kept myself in the pocket. That was a really long winded explanation, but basically, it took seven, eight years of screwing myself up and learning to not be emotionally attached to a number to the point where it's going to fuck my training up because at the end of the day you got to build a total and it doesn't really matter if you hit 10 pounds less on a single lift there's going to be another meet down the road you'll probably shit on that number down the road so it's okay if you want to hit like for me if i had not hit 400 kilos that's fine i would hit 397 okay (laughs) it's still a good day I still got a world record. We'll just kind of shatter it next year. And that's still the goal. We just have a bigger plan than we did before. And I think that's that's the big thing for everybody to really take away from that. So sometimes um, what people do, like they like like you were kind of alluding to, peak early and end up hitting like way too far out from the competition. They're like top end stuff. And you're like, man, yeah. you your, your central nervous system is about to, you're getting close to peaking right now. We're three weeks out. Yeah. I, you can't maintain a peak for three weeks straight. So what is the plan here? Like slow down. Like, you know, I know where you mean where you got to almost cap people. And then at some points, some people think the way things move, they start getting unrealistic. They're like, well, if I hit this three weeks out, and I keep going up for the next three weeks. Imagine what I'll hit at the meet. And you're like, you're not guaranteed to keep going up. As a matter of fact, if no, you peak early, exactly. you might come back down. Like, exactly. just, you know, don't get too ambitious. And this is where, obviously, like you said, years of trial and error and finally putting it together. Like, okay, I know my peaking cycle. I know what to expect on this week. That is my peaking. And I got to stop there and plan there where other people, yeah, they get all types of weird ambitious um, you got to be careful when you're coaching yourself. That's why most people should get a coach like uh, like yourself who's been around the block and kind of understands these things and sets these perimeters. And when they come to you like, sorry, I maxed out on squat though. It's like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> man, ah, I hope you didn't, you know, hit the nervous system too hard. And, and the thing with it too is, is uh, outside of meat prep, I'm not like a super, like you have to do everything by the book all day coach. Like if you want to, it, it, it's powerless. Yeah. If you want to go out and have some fun, there's a there's a squat party or something like that that's coming up next week at your gym, or there's an, even like a a charity event you want to deadlift for or something like that. Do, do it. You know, just let me know so we can adjust training because it's, it's nothing to throw a deload week in there for a single yeah. lift for a whole week, uh, especially in the off season. Now we're in meat prep and you're doing stupid shit. Now now I'm gonna argue with you a little bit. But outside yeah. of meat prep, if you wanna if you wanna have a little fun. Hit some hit some reps, 
uh, you know, do a hit a rep PR. I don't really like, I'm not a big fan of maxing out just for the sake of maxing out. But if you want to hit a rep PR, you think you can hit 315 or two more reps than you did last time, it's it's like 85%. I'm, I'm okay with that. Just let me know and we'll be fine. We can, we can adjust, we can do a deload. Training isn't, I feel like people overcomplicate training too much. Some coaches overcomplicate it too much. And they think like, oh, this is like a, a diet plan for bodybuilding. You have to follow every single day to the T or you're not going to hit your goal in 16 weeks and three days. And it's like, dude, it's powerless. Your body's really, really incredible. It can recover from stuff. You just need to let it be known when you're going to do something. And we can actually pull back, give you a rest time, and we can come jump back into training. As long as we got 12 to 16 weeks or even longer to prep for a meet, the shit we do outside of that is just to help you get better before we start that prep. And if you want to have a little fun at some little thing you got at your gym, or you just you got a friend coming in town you haven't seen in a while, you want to show him you can bench 315 again, that's fine. We can work around that. Just don't fuck off on my meat prep. Because then then I'm gonna be mad. I actually have to do math. I don't like math. And it's true where, I mean, you you just proved yourself too. Two months before uh, you won the current, you had competed. Obviously you're maxing out on lifts in a competition in terms like taxing the nervous system, cutting weight the whole nine. So as long as like, you know, eight weeks, you could do almost anything previous to that. And your, your, your body's resilient enough to bounce back. It's just, there is that window. If we're like four weeks out, Okay, let's let's talk here. Let's no more charity event deadlift or whatever. If you're like three weeks out, yeah. now you're kind of like, all right, all right. But I do know what you mean too, where sometimes um I remember having a conversation with uh, I think it might have been Joey Flex at the time was coaching me, and I wanted to go for a rep PR. And he's like, mm-hmm. This is not in program, but he let me do it. And then afterwards I asked him, uh, you know. Why did you let me do that, by the way? Because I ended up being fine. In the competition, I got PRs, everything was fine. But I was curious. And he told me, the confidence you might, you wanted it so badly, the confidence you might get by getting it, even if it attacks your nervous system, mentally, now you're believing. Whereas previously, if I don't let you look over that corner, you know, if you don't get around, peep around the corner to see if you got it, there's that doubt. Where sometimes you can sense a lifter's like, if I let you peek around the corner and see it and you know you yeah. have it and it's that rep PR, it's not, it's not a max out or whatever, some, whatever number it is that means a big deal to you. If you get that in this prep, I bet you I could sell you on the night before. I'm like, you're fucking ready. Stick to like, you're going to, you're, you're buying in. Sometimes these things happen too. Like there's a lot of psychology, obviously in coaching and sports as well for people to believe. So it is a little bit of a give and take. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in rep PRs. Like, I don't think we need to be hitting, you know, all-time PRs for, like, singles. Damn near ever until, like, probably towards the end of meat prep, we're hitting singles. Um, then that's – it's programmed for it, right? That's fine. That's why I think you should be – and you probably should have more in the tank than that if I'm programming it because I, I want you to PR on the platform. But we have such a long off-season and you're progressing so well that you are hitting all-time PRs for reps. That, that shit gets me going. Like I have, a, I had a client. Um, her name's uh, Cynthia, and she stuck to the program for uh, over a year so far. And her bench, man, I it was like it was like a Rubik's cube with too many squares. And I was like, I can't figure this goddamn thing out. <laughs> Squats blowing up, deadlifts blowing up. And I was like, all right, let's try something crazy. Let's just boost the frequency, 
throw a shit ton of volume at it, and we'll adjust the, the volume over the next few weeks as you progress through it. We pushed her bench for about three months to the point where I think her PR was 130 for a single, rough single too. She had her first one plate date and it was for six reps for like three oh. sets and she crushed it. And we kept pushing it up until she was benching, I think like 155 for sets of four. And I think that was the first time she actually missed a rep. And when I tell you, man, the confidence in her bench went, went so much, so high. And I was just, every time, she would have a bench workout, dude. I would just be waiting to get the little notification on my phone of like her logging her <laughs> training or seeing it on her her her, um, her story, and it was just it was incredible. So like those rep PRs and, and getting to see clients do that for all my clients, that's 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 what I like to see. Everybody loves a good a good one rep max adjustment, but it's like when you can hit your your max for reps and you didn't actually sit here and train at 90 percent for three weeks to do it. Yeah, and you feel good. That's when that's when you know your training is definitely going the right direction. So, uh, like, if we can get rep PRs, we're moving. We don't have to just you don't have to destroy your body at ninety percent all the time. I I hate to see people doing that. I don't have to do that either. People think, well, you're an advanced lifter. You got to train 90 percent to really get the gains toward the last few weeks. I'm like, no, the fuck, I don't. I do I do volume blocks like everybody else. I fucking love volume. You throw mm-hmm. me 80 percent for a while. I'll reset at 65 and go back up to 80. Oh, There's wow. progression there. So you don't have to, I don't have to train. That's probably why I don't get like a whole lot of crazy Instagram love sometimes because I don't do, I don't max, I'm not maxing out. I'm not benching 500, three, four, five weeks in a row. It's, I, don't, I don't have to. I've been doing this for 10 years. My joints are not going to be like, let's do 500 on these shoulders again. Like, no, the hell, let's <laughs> not. I do squat volume like everybody else. My class trained pretty much. Like me, just different numbers, different accessories. The structure is pretty much the same. If they need something different, obviously it's tailored to their their schedule and what their lifting styles are. But training does not have to be super complicated. Good periodized linear progression for most people is gonna get you a long way. It's. Uh, I think it might even be like a misnomer. Some people even think they're not training hard enough. If they're, because it's moving too fast, it's moving too smooth, it's moving too, and they actually, and um, if you watch some Instagram, like it's not going to be entertaining when someone's hitting smooth, single smooth, like if they're, if someone's not fighting very much, yeah, it's not entertaining to watch necessarily somebody squatting and it's, they're not overly pressed, right? You want to see someone struggle a little bit, but some people might actually believe that if you're not struggling in terms of your reps, you're not actually working hard. And, but it's, it's, it's not necessarily the case, man. Like you don't have yeah. to be grinding to work hard, honest work where the bar is moving at an appropriate speed, appropriate weight. It's good. You just hit your, just yeah. keep hitting those reps clean. The daily grind, man. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta accumulate the volume and when it's time to rest, you rest, you accumulate the volume, you rest. When it's time to peak for a meet, you just accumulate a little bit more volume, rest once or twice, peak. It's, yeah, it's if people people make make it like oh you gotta do this you gotta go so hard and so long like I need to take care of my body dude I'm almost thirty I've been doing this for almost a third of my life so if I have to train at eighty percent ninety to hundred percent all the time and do it for the gram I'm it's not worth it 
Yeah. Well, I mean, we and, all know and, those those gram people that do it for the gram. They do the stunts and shit. And it's like, when you're 35, man, your shit's gonna hurt. Yeah, yeah. Or you're it's just cool. Though. I like watching it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's entertaining for what it is, but they're also not necessarily peaking for the competition. Some people routinely don't. Sh- when it comes to a competition, they don't show up. Like the gains you put on your total. Yeah. Um. What was your total? What was the what kind? You had a ridiculous jump on your total after the Kern. I mean, you made some. I mean, from from the hybrid wasn't wasn't uh wasn't sleeves though. But your previous rap was nine oh five, and you just damn near hit a thousand kilo. I mean, your progress has been, you know, phenomenal. Some people think if I'm not grinding, I'm not trying hard enough. It's not that, man. Discipline sometimes to hold back and just keep a smooth progression, and you don't need to be grinding out your reps. But not every, but some people are different. Then you have the Hayden Bowdens of the world who he's grinding, oh, yeah. but he's got five more reps in him. You might think like, ah, oh, he's, 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 you know, that's a really heavy RPE. Dude. No, it's not. Yeah. His, Hayden's incredible. I'm like, dude, if I, yeah. if my shit moved like that, I would be feeling it for a month. I know, I know. so bad. He's got like another five in him, man. It's insane. Yeah. What is it when he actually is on the platform and that's his training when he's actually on the platform fighting for weight, I've seen him deadlift. I swear to God, I could have cooked an egg by the, by the time he finished, locked it out. Like it, it was insane how long he was fighting for this deadlift, man. It was like veering, like helicoptering on him. And then to straighten back out and helicopter back the same way it came. And it was like, holy shit, Aiden. And it was Boba. You locked it out and got obviously the white lights. It's like, wow, dude. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah. Man, Imagine programming for him. I'd be like, dude, yeah. I, don't, I don't know, man. Just tell me. Can we do <laughs> no. 10 more? <laughs> I know. I it's don't like, know, dude. It looks I, like, I don't, yeah, exactly. Like it. <laughs> if, if, if you ask him, how did it feel? Like, I'm assuming hard, <laughs> right? Like, he doesn't have an easy yeah, rep like, in him. Yeah, no, I was probably, that was good. Got about two more. I'm like, shit, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But you got to take him at his word for it, man. Um, I know you got another podcast coming up, but I wanted to ask you, because the question I always ask, and and by the way, it's interesting, your podcast coming up is with John Hack too, (laughs) right? Of all people. But um, in terms of when all is said and done, and you're you're a 10-year veteran now, but you're still put, you're you're Mm -hmm. about to turn, how old are you right now? You're 29 then? I'll be 29 uh, next month. Ah, oh, dog, you're still young now. Yeah. You're still young for powerlifting because yeah. you know. Powerlifting, yeah, yeah, I got a few good years left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as long as the injuries hold off. Um, when yeah. all is said and done, though, how would you like to be remembered when you look back at your career? Um, I would like to be remembered as a lifter that helped other lifters, helped people grow, gave back to the sport where I could, and. Just had some ridiculous numbers. I, w- I want to put some numbers up before I bow out that won't be touched for over a decade. Oh, I think, wow. I think, uh, I think me and John both can do it. I got, I got something special planned that I want to do for the current next year. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> and you've already put the recipe together for that cake right now? Yeah. Oh, wow, dude. I can't wait to see. Yeah, I got, I got some plans. I actually might hire a coach just for my squats, so. I'll see if uh, if the person I had in mind is willing to help me out with that. Uh, I'm willing to bet if the returning Kern champion is like, I got something cooking, can you help me out? They'll probably want to jump in on this. It'll be tough, though, only because uh, with the nervous system, like, you know, training just one lift but not the others, but then it depends on what you – I, I mean, you don't want to reveal too much, obviously, but I'm sure you could work, you work with them. You sit down, but here's what I'm thinking for the rest of the lifts. 
yada yada. Honestly, uh, if it goes the way I want it to go, I even told I've told a handful of people this, and I won't go too detailed. But if it goes the way I want it to go, the other two lifts, I don't even care. Oh shit! Okay, they, they, that's why I was gonna say because it it's interesting, yeah. dude. Would, no, but even if they didn't, I wouldn't. It wouldn't matter. It would. It would be the most insane thing I've done in my career, and I'd probably be like, okay, I can quit now. I Holy wouldn't because I'm crazy. But I want to do. I want to do something stupid, and I think if even if it doesn't happen next turn, I think in two years I could. I could do it, and then I'll probably say, screw rap. I'm not doing rap anymore. I hate rap. <laughs> Is it? I don't know if I want it. All right. Well, obviously we're talking into the 900s because it's good at 900s right around the corner. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be it'll be up in there. It'll be up in there. Yeah. I think I think that's I think you're thinking it and I think it's possible. You do you think <laughs> like how you go? I know, I know I think, you're thinking it. I know I'm thinking it. I'm almost like afraid to say it for God's sake. What do <laughs> like how big are we talking? We're you know what? Fuck it, a thousand. I knew it was a thousand. Holy <laughs> shit, Chad. That well, would be 1003, I guess. Yeah. yeah. My dude. And this, and that's why you were saying it, it all makes sense now, but that's why you were saying do one more at 90 kilo uh, in, in sleeves with John. Let's, let's, you know, we, we did it in, in the current. Let's do it in the showdown. Let's, you know, let's push each other. Let's have some fun. Then we'll close the door at 90 yeah. kilo bulk up, get, 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 get thick. Okay, yeah, yeah, weight underneath a squat helps. Body weight under a squat's gonna help. Um, you know, it's funny that you knew I knew because you were already so close, yeah. and I'm like, no, fucking your wheel, I saw your wheels turning, you were like, you must do something <laughs> stupid, yeah. Okay. I, was, I was just thinking in my head, like, Jesus wept, this guy's crazy, but I love it. It's one of those deals where it's like, I, I want you to go for it, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely, dude. And, and as soon as the, you know what the tip off for me was is when you said, um, if I get what I want, bench and deads won't matter. And that's when I'm like, well, if matter. you squat a thousand, who the shit? You could do a token bench and dead just to solidify the world record because you need a total for yeah. it to be. But you're right. If you if you squat a thousand pounds, the show's over. Thank you very much. I'll empty the tank on my squats and we're fine. I'll just do some token. Yeah. Dude, that would be absolutely phenomenal. Do you? How big of a body weight do you think you can get to get up under that bar to go for a thousand? I don't, I want to do it at 198. You do? Yeah. Holy smokes, dude. This will be. Well, that's 124-ish pounds to add. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it sounds crazy. I know people probably going to hear this, but he can't fucking do that. And you know, it, maybe I can't. But uh, like I said earlier, I didn't have any time in raps. Really, I had six weeks to just kind of play around. I self-rapped for like four of those sessions. Andy self-rapped for me, not self-rapped, rapped for me twice. Two sessions. And I was like, fuck it, let's go 81. And I thought that was insane. So if I can get somebody to rap for me, uh, actually train under a mono for more than three sessions and actually strengthen my hips and really kind of master the position that I squat in because it's that position, I only squat that way in raps. And it's kind of a, it almost looks like an equipped squat. So if I can get some hip strengthening and, how, and know somebody who does a lot of equipped lifting help me with my programs and for that i think i can put i, I can easily get into the 900 but can i put enough on it to get to get that coveted 1k it's a it's a maybe that i'm leaning towards a strong maybe yeah so if i can't do it at 198 uh next year 
I'm not going to be devastated by it. Obviously, if I just even get close, I'll be okay with that. It'll still be a world record. But uh, the end goal is to be the lightest person to hit 1K in in uh, in wraps, raw with wraps. And it would be really cool to do it at 198. So I'm going to shoot for it next year. Uh, with, with the showdown being in September, I can devote pretty much all that time to a nice solid offseason to devote to that. And that's that's my personal goal. Uh, if I do that, even if I, like I said, I don't have any, if I just hit the same numbers I hit in the past turn for squat and bench and deadlift, that's you're looking at almost a 700 wilks. So I don't, I could care less about if they go up or not. No, <laughs> <laughs> dude, you hit anywhere close to a, a K on squat, the rest is gravy, baby. You just got to yeah. hold the fort, just maintain and hold strong, and you're good. That squat will do all the talking for you. And, um, and yeah, look at what the hell. Dog, you, you shoot your shot. I mean, people, like you just said, people think it's crazy. Look at the progress you made in, in, with your current total. You know, you have a year. Yes, it's anything's possible, bro. You believe and you Hello. start pushing towards it. Of course it's possible. And um, you, you have options. You're a young man. You can do 90 kilo, go for that, the, the 198 division. You have plenty of time if you're like, all right, man, maybe maybe I bulk up a little bit. I don't want to, you have a tipping point. You don't even have to stick to the traditional weight classes. You could just go up 10 yeah. pounds and be the first man to do, okay, go up a little bit more and be, you know, this, if your goal is a thousand kilo or so a thousand kilos, sorry. Well, a thousand kilo total, but a thousand pounds squat. Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. And thank you obviously for throwing it out there, my man, because, um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't hold. I can't hold water, man. If I'm like excited about something, I'm just gonna be like, I'm, I'm just gonna tell you. T- look at um, it. I, I think people know to give me a little extra push anyway, because people are gonna talk shit, and I, I, I welcome it. I don't care. Let them talk, man. It's yeah. always it's always the people on the sidelines talking about the people on the field that are are doing the talking. But it's the people yeah, on the definitely. field. You're the one out there laying it out on the line, chasing goals without a goal. What the hell you got? What what are you what are we doing here? What's the motivation? What's the fun in it? Yeah. Yeah. What the hell? And, and and along the way, you have a couple bottles with the goat, John Hack, man. You're living life, man. This is what this is what sports yeah. is all about, baby. It's gonna be a fun next few years. That's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I feel you. Listen, you got um, I know in 15 minutes you got John Hack right now, the podcast coming up. So thank you very much for your time. Um, before yes, we sir. let you go, let everybody know how to get a hold of you for coaching services, and uh, I'll let you give a shout out to any sponsors you want to thank as well. Awesome. Uh, so if anybody wants to get in touch with me, just go to my Instagram page, King Pinson Lifts. Uh, there's an email button right there. It'll go straight to my uh, personal email for coaching, uh, podcast, scheduling, or anything like that. Uh, DMs are a little crazy sometimes, so that's probably the best way. Uh, we don't follow each other or anything like that. Uh, quick shout out to all my sponsors, uh, Live Large, Eat Right Foods, Iron Rebel, and the best smelling salts in the game, Zone Smelling Salts, got me two world records, so pretty damn strong. Thank you very much. Listen, man, I greatly appreciate your time. I know you're doing a shitload of podcasts because I'm seeing you. I'm getting tagged in some of them. It's not even my podcast, and I'm sharing yeah. it. Anyways, I'm like, fuck it. Let's let's give this man the shine because because he, he had a huge performance. Uh, man, good luck, man. I'll be following. I'll Thank be you. reposting, and I uh, can't wait to see what you do at Showdown and then ahead of time. Stay in touch, my friend. Yes, Talk to you later, buddy. See ya.